Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. I am very excited to be doing Brain Theory, and this is with my boy, Dr. Jason McCune, who is the CEO of Modius Health. He's gonna be joining us. We're gonna be going deep on the brain, what the thing's all about, what exactly the Modius device is, what vestibular stimulation is, and why I've become obsessed. And in fact, what I wanna do is I want to uh, vestibular stimulate during this part of the interview since I haven't worn it yet today and so I want to get on that bad boy uh, so yeah we're gonna be talking all things brain we'll probably get into a little bit of ER surgery as well as this man is an ER surgeon so uh, this is gonna be a lot of fun I'm very much looking forward to this one as soon as we get all the chairs in place, we will dive in deep. Um, full disclosure for anybody watching, I will tell you that I am on the advisory board of Modius Health, uh, so keep that in mind. And I'm the king of what I call the world's worst infomercials because I'm only gonna tell you the absolute truth. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited about what this device may be and I'm very excited about our guest uh, who is a fascinating mind and somebody who so Yemeni and I were talking about this, the layover test. When you work with people, you want to make sure that they pass the layover test. So if I were stuck in an airport with this person, would I actually enjoy their company? And I have to say, uh, I've actually been stuck on a layover with this gentleman, and I had a lot of fun. Uh, and we talked about some really fun stuff. And it was so unguarded that I won't even bring it up here, because it was one of those actual real uh, two-people conversations uh, that's a lot of fun. But all right, kick us off. Who are you? Why you're here? Yeah, thank, thanks for having me. Absolutely, dude. So, uh, yep, as you say, Jason McEwen, previously a, an ER physician, really in the UK. Don't uh, you have to keep doing it to uh, maintain your like license or something? Yeah, I still do. So um, my weekends are often spent in the ER. Don't tell the people that you're operating on that you're previously an <laughs> ER doctor. I think that may be somewhat nerve-wracking. Yeah. So no, I still keep my hand in at that. But I, a couple of years ago, I shifted over to neurology or neuroscience, hmm. as you know. Uh, really interested in the brain in general, but in particular, why we struggle with weight loss. So why can some people be... Did you end up on weight loss like right away? Or was that something that came later? 
Uh, no, pr pretty much. I mean, I had an interest, uh, as I say, just this was in general neurology. It's almost a stroke of good luck. The guy that I was working with, it was in neurosurgery at the time, mm. had just finished his thesis on vestibular stimulation. Uh, and at that time, he was working with Rama, or V.S. Ramachandran, yeah. as, as your guys will know him. And uh, they, they wanted to set up a new project. As part of his thesis, he realized there are ways to stimulate metabolism which is obviously a pretty big thing. Uh, so All right, and we're going to get into detail in that yeah. in a little bit, um, so don't panic if these terms aren't very familiar. Um, but, yeah, I just want to finish with your overview first yeah. while I swab the back of my uh, ears here. <laughs> I'm sure people are wondering what yeah. you're doing. But what, yeah. what is happening? Um, so, yeah, I mean, in a nutshell, the question that we wanted to answer was, can you find a practical, easy, safe, non-invasive way to stimulate the part of your brain that controls metabolism. So that was myself, Paul McGeek, and Rama, or V.S. Ramachandran, I should right. say. Uh, and we set up that team in San Diego a few years ago. Well, before we go too deep mm -hmm. in that, so walk me through, you're an ER guy with an interest in the brain. How do you make the transition? Do you go back to school? Do you apply to work with V.S. Ramachandran? Like, what's that story? How do you end up in San Diego? Uh, pretty much a phone call uh, with Rama. So, uh, you so know, was it you like, okay, I'm, uh, I'm super interested in neuroscience and I know who the preeminent mind is? My interest, I suppose, was just actually peripheral to all my other work. So just in the background, I was like reading and studying and just really getting deep into neuroscience and like, you know, thinking a lot about it. Obviously, anyone who's in that field knows who Rama is. Mm. Uh, and ever, as I say, my, my colleague at that time, Paul, introduced me to Rama. I pretty much had one phone call. We chatted about my thoughts on it. They ran quite parallel to his. I had some interest in, I suppose, ideas about how you could use the, you know, any type of stimulation, mm. but in particular vestibular stimulation. Uh, so I think Rama just sort of thought there's a good fit here, so invited me out to be one of his visiting scholars. The youngest visiting scholar ever to work with the legendary <laughs> V.S. Ramachandran, who's been a guest in the show, and by the way, and I'm not kidding, like, V.S. Rama, as I, can I tell you, when he told me, call me Rama, I was like, really, can I? <laughs> yeah. uh, I was like totally fanboying out yeah. hard on that one. Um, he is, he's the one that really taught me about the brain through his books. Obviously, I'd never met him, um, but his books are so accessible and he's mm -hmm. so funny and so interesting. And he's got such a way of making it all accessible yeah. that um, was desperate to get him on the show and finally got him on. He was actually one of our first Impact Theory guests, but we'd been trying to get him on since we were inside Quest. So finally got him on, and that was really, really incredible. So mm -hmm. being like, and I, I need to remember the list because there's, he did the, um, the oh God, what's it called? The Gifford Lecture, and he did something else in the UK. And they're like these huge honors for the most famous minds in science. And some yeah. of the people that have done them, I mean, he's just in rarefied company. Yeah, I mean, he's absolutely the greatest neuroscientist of our generation. Yeah, you know, there's no question. To be, just to even know him, and, but to actually sort of work under him, mm. it's like I'm, I'm the privilege. Yeah, it was pretty cool when we did the, um, the whatever we're going to call that, round table about mm. what um, you're doing at Modius Health, and Dr. Drew was on the show. Now, Dr. Mm. Drew's wildly famous, like magnitudes more famous than Rama, and mm. when introducing himself, he was like, I just have to say, like, I'm honored to be sharing the dais with, uh, you know, the legendary V.S. Yep. Ramachandran. That was cool. That was when I was like, all right, that shows the, even though he's like this quiet, unassuming guy, mm -hmm. the weight that he carries 
in yeah. that community. It's pretty special. Yeah. No, it's cool. And even like in, you know, we would have like a weekly sort of lab meeting with teaching and that, and it's just so chilled and laid back and he talks and everybody listens and mm. it's just like, yeah, this is, this is pretty cool. Pretty amazing. All right. So you ring him up and he says, come out to San Diego to mm -hmm. be a part of this. Did you already know that you wanted to found this company? Uh, I suppose a lot of things ran in parallel, but the, the idea was, I mean, primarily the idea was research. Uh, you know, it sounds a bit maybe trite saying this all the time, but like I actually did get into medicine to help people. Mm. Uh, and then this idea of, you know, we could research one of the, just the, such a fundamental problem, like 2 billion people approximately are, are overweight. And just, it's, you know, it's a precursor to metabolic disease, you know, diabetes, heart attacks, strokes. Mm. You know, if you could actually influence that even like a tiny little bit, the knock-on effect of that is huge. You know, it's potentially game-changing across the right. world. So, I mean, just to, to research that, that was enough for me. Uh, but then actually, as, as we started to see the potential of it and, the, and you know, the spin out of, say, you know, into the medical device sector or, or even into the consumer sector, then we're just really interested, I suppose, in protecting that and forming a company. So that's, that's mm. what Modius is, really. All right. So before we dive into that, what is it about the brain that fascinated you enough to switch from being an ER doctor to that? <laughs> a good question. Uh, I the, the really candid answer is that actually, uh, aside from the physical housing that is your nervous system, nothing else is real. So what do you mean by that? I'm sure that fits with the uh, impact theory. <laughs> you know, they, so, so, you know, you have a bunch of neurons that are effectively sort of electrochemical signals that are running up and down. But within that house, there is a thing which we refer to as consciousness. Um, but... Aside from that, everything else is just a complete virtualization within that. So, you know, as we sit here now looking at each other, there's not like, you know, the picture of, uh, I can see you in the microphone. There's not like a little picture that gets miniaturized and goes, right. in, you know, through my eye. And then, you know, there's not like a little picture in the back of my brain somewhere that is actually this. Okay. Right. This entire thing is just a chemical virtualization. You know, so your brain is basically making it all up. Yeah. So as soon as the as soon as the actual light hits my mm. eye, that's it. That's where it stops. And then after that, it turns into electrical electrical chemical kind of signals that fire across neurons. And I have this illusion, <laughs> for lack of a better word, that you know we're sitting here chatting. Mm. Obviously, we are. But what 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 is happening inside is entirely fabricated by your own mm. brain. And that, I find that just unbelievably amazing. Dude, you and I are together on that. It's really interesting. You know, you end up collecting people in life that see things the way that you see things, that are intrigued by the same things that you're intrigued by. And that was one of the, the fun things that kicked off when we were just hanging out the other day in the San Jose airport. Um, you know, just like geeking out on this stuff and, and the fascination we have with that. The biggest breakthrough in my life and the reason that this company exists and the reason that we founded it the way that we did and the reason that the matrix sits at the core of all of it yeah. was that realization that my brain is what I call lying to me. It's yeah. virtualizing it, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's doing its best when being totally encased in darkness mm. to recreate this world. And once you realize that it recreates it with a slew of biases, that it has tendencies towards this, that, or the other, that, okay, this is all made up. There's no objective reality that I'm actually experiencing. I'm experiencing an interpretation of reality. Yeah. So once I could say, okay, well, what happens if I insert my consciousness 
into that interpretation of reality, can I nudge things in a more, what I'll call effective direction, where I say, these are my goals, and now I'm going to, rather than just sit back and say, oh, this is all objectively real, I'm gonna say, this isn't objectively real, and because it's not objective, I'm going to choose to believe certain things, and those beliefs now will give me a better outcome. Yeah, totally get it. That is my shared fascination, my friend. Very yeah. interesting. No, and the other thing, you know, uh, you know, the potential, the potential for for you know people. I suppose some people get sort of very low and in a rut, and you kind of you can convince yourself actually, you know, like there is no potential. Uh, but actually, the big driver, big belief that I have is that you know, with time and with the right attitude, you can change those things. But understanding, and this is probably why my interest grew, understanding why your brain tells you the things and also why the physical housing, i.e. the neurons and the nervous system develops in the way it does, understanding that gives you the advantage to be able to then achieve the outcome that you want. Mm. So it's the, the actual knowledge allows you to be better, if that makes sense. Definitely. When did you start getting obsessed with this? Like you're cutting people open. That's pretty demanding. Um, you're, and this is something you and I talked about. I could never do what you do because yeah. you're dealing with people on their worst day. Like coming into the ER, oh God, the way that it would overwhelm, the last thing I would want to do is go deeper into the medical world. Um, so how did you begin thinking like, okay, this is more than a passing interest. I am deeply fascinated by this. This Everything else is not real um, in your words. Like how did that grow into the fire that leads you to leave everything, to leave Northern Ireland, to come to Southern California, to change everything up, ultimately found a company. I mean, this is, this is a, a huge shift that it's the kind of thing most people talk about, but they never do. Mm. So you actually did it. So what allowed it to grow into that fire? I'm just going to adjust my Modius up here. It's okay. Um, um, yeah, that's maybe a difficult question to pinpoint. I, I probably would draw back to when I just loved technology. So before I was into medicine, I was really into like computers and more sort of like kind of firmware and hardware to some degree. Um, Interesting. So, yeah, so probably whenever I was about 14, 15, I started like selling computers that I built. Hmm. So I know now like everybody can sort of do that, but I say back at that time it wasn't that popular. So, you know, I started literally selling people who I got the same bus to school with and then in my class and then in my year at school and then in my town. Okay. So I was like doing that, just building. So my room was just like piled high of like hard drives (laughs) and motherboards and all sorts of stuff. Um, But then... I suppose there's a parallel with, you know, the body is a bit like a computer. I don't love that analogy, but, you know, your brain is a bit like a computer Mm. uh, and people can understand that. So I suppose it's gone to that next step. So moving away from, you know, very hard defined technology to, you know, well, is this, you know, a machine? Is your body a machine? Is it a computer? Can you influence this in this way? Uh, I think it was just the the natural progression, Uh, but I still didn't lose my love of technology. And actually now things have come back. So I went from initially to technology, then to medicine, and now both together with neurostimulation. All right. So now what is this thing on my head? Um, What's it supposedly doing? um, What is Modius Health? Uh, So it's, it's a neurostimulator. So, I mean, I'm not sure where to dive right into, I suppose... We'll go back to what um, you were saying about weight loss. So Yeah, I, I was going to do a little bit of, of why it's difficult to lose weight. Okay. Because um, that is quite interesting, I think. And if this works, uh, I should be able to let people see what I'm drawing on my screen. Nice. What an age to be alive. Right? <laughs> yeah. And this is your A-cam, by the way, if, you wanna, if you're going to oh, show okay. something to the camera. Um, let me see. 
Hmm. I may need a password for the screen. For the screen? Oh, you're going to... Uh, it's right there. 3923. Oh, yeah. So I guess you don't need your camera. It's going to appear on the TV. All right. We're mirroring. Uh, right. Okay. If I ramble, you can stop. Yeah, I'll rein you in. So, don't worry. I mean, the, so the problem is that people, people struggle with weight loss, okay? But typically don't struggle with weight gain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. That well, is certainly my case. Yeah. And I know some people do. Well, yeah. As much as I want to laugh at them. It's quite interesting because actually some people do struggle with weight mm. gain. Um, a good example of this is, I think it was 1967. I mean, this is so unethical. It is unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they, they give prisoners a reduced sentence for trying to increase their body fat by 25%. You think that's unethical? It's crazy. I mean, you can Why? Well, you can't manipulate prisoners to do things, you know. It's so it's just because, sorry, I'm just thinking of the experiment. You think yeah. it's bad because it's prison. Oh, absolutely. I what mean, if it were like me and I wanted just some cash? That's to try totally, I think I actually was tried in medical students first, but they just, nobody could do it. So really? they went to prisoners because they thought, well, they would do it. But mm. I say that's completely unethical. That would never be allowed today. Really? This was in 77? 67. 67. But it did happen. And basically the target, the target was 25% increase in your body fat, eat as much as you want. So typically they ate around 10,000 calories a day. Wow. Okay. That, that actually gets hard to sustain. Okay. The problem, the actual problem was they couldn't hit the target. They couldn't the, gain. The caloric target. Yeah. yeah. The, or no, you the, just the, feel so The gross. weight gain target. Okay. So they did gain weight, but not as much as you think. And actually, whenever they then went back to normal eating, they lost the weight really, really quickly. Okay. Bar, I think, two people who actually didn't lose any weight at all. So the question, and then also whenever they started this experiment, whenever they ramped up the calories, their metabolism went like into overdrive to try. And, what are they using to measure that? I, I, tried, to, I tried to work that out, actually. I'm mm. not sure. Hmm. So, you, I mean, you can read the paper. Um, but basically, there was this massive reaction to those guys trying to actively gain weight. Okay. So... The theory around this is, and it's pretty well defined, there is actually a range of a sort of target weight that your body wants you to have. Okay, so I'm going to just say like, so let's say, can you see this? Yeah. Yep. So let's say, for example, you know, your weight's like 170 pounds, okay? Uh, and this is you kind of going through your life. Um, your weight isn't actually always 170 pounds. You know, it, ten it tends to sort of go, you know, up and down and up and down like that without you having to think much about it right okay and this is that's, that's entirely normal um so what we call the set point is actually sort of the, the high the low and the high range say of it's getting very colorful now isn't it <laughs> you know so so this sort of range is your set point and, and then a normal weight person that's maybe like let's say 165 to 175 pounds but without you thinking about it your body will keep you there mm. or it should do Okay, now the problem is the lower end, so this, oh, sorry, I should say other things. A lot of people don't realize that the mechanisms to increase weight and decrease weight are not just sort of one thing. You know, there's actually an active process that your body kicks in to decrease body fat. There's also an active process to increase body fat, and, and those two are actually separate. They're not, they're, it's not just the sort of lack of the other one, mm. okay? And this is, actually, we were chatting about kind of negative feedback before. Well, yeah. You don't love that. I, well, now <laughs> I use it all the time. Like, this was a really powerful idea that you gave about the, the seesaw effect. Yeah, 
yeah, so a good way to understand um, negative feedback is basically a, it's like a seesaw. So it's a balancing act. So let's say the balance is 170. You know, the seesaw kind of roughly kind of you know goes around kind of one 165 to 170. And I know this isn't perfect, but one of the ways that I've been explaining it to people and that I explain it in my own mind is if you think of the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. So yeah. sympathetic nervous system, fight or flight parasympathetic rest and digest mm -hmm. that you're not going to have them both elevated at the same time. I know you said it is possible, but that yeah. that's very, very rare. And that typically when you do something like a meditative practice where you're um, slowing your breathing, slowing your heart rate, bringing your mind back to just the centered breathing so that you're not kicking in stress or anxiety mm -hmm. that you get the, as the parasympathetic kicks in, the sympathetic drops down, which is why meditating lowers your stress, lowers your anxiety, because it's hard to peg them both at the same time. So that gave me a really clear sense of this, just like if something freaks me out and my anxiety spikes, the parasympathetic nervous system is disengaged and drops down and the sympathetic nervous system kicks off. Yeah. So it's, that's a really good example. And that is two. So those are two separate processes. Mm. If, if you understand, yeah, so yeah. a lot of people think that it's just one goes up and then it comes back down to right. the normal. It's the same system. Yeah. But, but it's, it, not. it's not, it's actually one is an act, one is inhibitory and one is activating. Mm. Okay. Um, so you have these processes for your, um, for your body fat. So, sorry, ignore my really horrible, um, <laughs> drawings, by the way. Dee -dee -dee. What they lack in beauty, they make up in being clear. How about that? <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, so uh, the problem is this. The, one of those mechanisms has been tested forever, and one hasn't. Okay, so ask yourself this. In the past... And when you say that, the mechanism for gaining weight and the mechanism for losing weight, yeah. one of those has been tested. Yeah, so uh, you know, ask yourself this question. In the past you know, the entire human species, have we more likely to have died, basically, mm. because we had so much food that we have eaten ourselves to death, <laughs> or that we have had so little food that you were going to starve, mm. okay? So I remember where I was sitting when you said that to me. That was when we were at the bus stop. <laughs> and I, that's how hard it hit me. It, like, permanently imprinted where I was. That is... Yeah, that was one of those really cool realizations that you're right. Nature has tested, you know, for however many hundreds of thousands of years and however many permutations, yeah. our ability to survive famine. Yeah. So, so keep in mind, as I say, there are two processes. So it's not just a kind of, so the term we would use is homeostasis for, you know, like kind of that, that sort of seesaw, we call that homeostasis, okay? Mm. So the, pr the entire process of homeostasis has not been tested. It is only the one that stops you losing too much body fat, okay? So your, your body is a machine. It is almost perfect at, at stopping you losing fat, mm. okay? So in that sort because of, it's a survival mechanism. Yeah, yeah, because because if, if you didn't have that, you would have died, and that's you know your genetic sort mm. of uh, predisposition to actually surviving no food would have been wiped out. Right. Okay. On the other hand, the the mechanism for protecting you against overeating has n has literally never in the history <laughs> of humankind it has never been tested. Okay. So there's never before been a period like this well, where not, you can not, go not, around the corner, dirt cheap, yeah. buy anything and everything you want, eat your 10,000 calories a day. 
Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> yeah, right. So in human history, that has never happened, okay? So basically, it, it has left us to be exceptionally finely tuned at not losing fat and not so great at actually not becoming too overweight, right. storing too much fat, okay? Uh, and yet we, so, so getting back to where we were, the science behind this is really, really interesting. And I was actually going to talk a little bit about the areas in the hypothalamus, if, if you want, which, uh, yeah, please walk yeah. people through though. Um, just the simplified version of why the hypothalamus matters, how it ties to vestibular mm. stimulation, like mm. what am I doing right now? Right. So I'm zapping my vestibular nerve, yes. which. So uh, I'm going to just take a, a little step back. So okay. the, 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 as I say, there's that sort of seesaw, okay? So for weight going up or weight going down, okay? It's very specific actually to body fat, so adipose tissue. So your fat storage goes up or fat storage goes down, but it sits around, as I say, the, the diagram is kind of the, the sort of central point, okay? That central point is determined, that is set by an area in your brain called your hypothalamus. And, it, and it's a protective mechanism. It's meant to protect you, as I say, from, from being either too too lean or, or too overweight. Um, so the problem then is that the hypothalamus with, you know, it, well, certainly with age, with diet, with high calories, you know, even some sort of high fat diets, high sugar diets, um, and our sort of Western sedentary lifestyles, that hypothalamic control, a bit like a thermostat, actually goes up. Mm. Okay, so it's like dialing up the level for fat. So all of a sudden the balance, that sort of seesaw, it's still doing the seesaw, but the whole seesaw has actually shifted and is now much higher. Right, than so you're taking that been. band and you're moving it up. Yeah, so like, I mean, I'm going to, this is really poor drawings, I know, but, you know, say say that's your sort of, you know, um, oh goodness, I'm drawing over this. Sorry. Sorry, two seconds. You know, so say here, here's your 170 pounds, okay? And you're doing this, you know, you're sort of up and down, up and down, up and down, okay? Um, you know, as you actually, what is actually happening in today's society is, yes, you're doing this up and down, but it's actually doing this up and down, up and mm. down, okay? Um, and then your new sort of set point is like, you know, 185, say, okay? So your, your autonomic control, your homeostasis still works, but you've shifted everything. Your metabolism has actually shifted entirely to, to someone who has naturally now more body fat. Mm. That shift is controlled by an area called your hypothalamus. And that is the key, the absolute key to all of this. So the people who are trying to lose weight, the absolute key to this is their hypothalamus. Okay. So what we are doing is actually trying to influence the hypothalamus. And that's what we set out with, you know, Paul and Ram and I, that, can you modify the hypothalamus and, and if not push it right down, certainly make it easier to try and get it back down again. Mm. Okay. So if it isn't just pushing it down, how would it facilitate making it easier? What do you mean easier? That through diet, lifestyle changes, exercise, that you can bring it back down? Yeah. So, I mean, this is where possibly it gets a little deep, <laughs> but um, I can start talking about the hypothalamus now. It depends how, how deep you want the science well, to Well, <laughs> so it, thankfully, I've, you know, not too long ago been a total outsider to this whole concept. And what really made it make sense to me is there's no calorie counter in the body. Mm. So once you know there's 
nothing in the body, as far as we know, that counts the calories. That's, you know, checking your stomach, checking your digestive tract and going, okay, this is this many calories. And so, um, and tracking how active you've been from a caloric standpoint. So going, okay, we took in this many and we used up this many. And so, you know what? Every day I'm noticing that we have a surplus. There is nothing Mm -hmm. for that. So once we know that the whole notion of a calorie was invented by us to be able to track sort of what the heat energy potential there is Mm. in food, um, which is great. It gives us a consistent measurement, but it doesn't actually correlate to the way that the body responds to food. Okay. So that's fact number one that you need to know. The second thing is what the body does seem to be um, able to track is motion. And what the body uses to track motion is the, um, the inner ear, the vestibular system. So if you are moving a lot, your hypothesis goes, and I love this because it's one of those that like, God, there's, you can follow the logic all the way to, to understand why your hypothesis about the device is what mm-hmm. it is. So if the body can't track calories, but it can track motion and that it, it has sort of a pre-programmed assumption that if I'm very active, I'm moving a lot then storing a lot of fat tissue actually is disadvantageous because I need to be mobile and light. So think of a lion or a cheetah. They're always shredded. They're always shredded, right? Because they have to be able to do these, like lots of running, sprinting, whatever to, to catch it. So carrying a lot of fat is, would be dangerous from the perspective of it needs to hunt and kill and it would be slowed down by carrying all that weight. Okay, so now you've got this system that tracks motion to know whether it should be storing fat or not. And so if this body is at motion a lot, then the hypothalamus says, okay, cool, we need to lower the amount of body fat that we store, potentially by raising the metabolic rate, the rate at which it oxidizes fat. Mm -hmm. Um, So if that's just cranking it up and you're kicking off heat energy, so like my wife, my wife and I have a cheat weekend, I am, my, my body temperature does not change and I get fat. My wife, on the other hand, will sweat through the sheets when she cheats because her body goes, whoa, Mm -hmm. like there's been no change in, um, the, the movement. And here I am, I'm, you know, taking somebody euthanized that lovely dog of mine. Uh, I'm taking in this, you know, excessive amount, um, and it's interesting to think, because I don't know what that mechanism, like how is it knowing that I've mm. upregulated my calories because there's nothing counting it? So what exactly, honestly, I have no idea. You'll have to help us there. But um, so it literally turns up her heat so mm-hmm. that she kicks, kicks it off as heat energy rather than stowing, storing it as adipose. Now, what that tells me is that she obviously has a lower set point than I do to store body fat, whereas I'm constantly living below mine. So mm-hmm. when I give it the additional yeah. food that rather than... Um, burning it off, it says, oh, finally, right? Like I can actually get back to my set point. Um, So that's how I've thought about why the vestibular system, which tracks motion, Mm -hmm. would be involved. Because what this is doing is zapping Mm -hmm. my vestibular nerve to essentially mimic motion Mm -hmm. to tell my body he's very active. So there's no reason to store the extra fat. Yeah, well, so there's a few few things for what you said there. So um, there have been studies done that look at calorie consumption for someone let's let's pick a weight okay 130 pounds so if you're 130 pounds and you've never been above 130 pounds you can eat more calories than someone who has been overweight and is now back to 130 pounds 
You guys know I have a very strict diet that I stick to, except for very special occasions. And I do that so that I can bring my best every day to what I'm doing. And a big part of that strict diet is high quality animal protein and my go-to source of trustworthy meats and seafoods with no added hormones or antibiotics ever is ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service that delivers 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood all directly to your door. I cannot recommend ButcherBox enough. When you eat ButcherBox, you are giving your body the best possible building blocks to work with so you can reach your full potential. You've got to take care of yourself at a cellular level if you want to hit your peak consistently. So ButcherBox is the key. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash impact and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. And that means you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash impact and use code impact to choose your free for a year offer. Plus get $20 off your first order. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You will never be able to reach your full potential if you are riddled with stress and have a lot weighing on your mind. I can tell you from my own experiences with stress and negative thought loops, you have to find a way to work through whatever it is that's weighing on you if you're going to have any hope of achieving your goals. Therapy can be an option for working through things and for an online therapy option that is super convenient and flexible, be sure to check out BetterHelp. With BetterHelp, everything is 100% online and getting started is quick and easy. A brief questionnaire matches you with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra charge. Get things off your chest, process through things with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash impact theory today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash impact theory. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you want to have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. That's interesting. Because you've 
trained the body to store that fat or well it's probably that the set point of the person who was overweight still wants them to get back there i see so it just hasn't changed yeah so nat naturally someone who's say a natural you know lean kind of physique is going to actually just burn through calories and their body reacts really really quickly to that and they will they find it difficult you know we all know those people <laughs> to right. gain weight yeah whereas someone who's been overweight and has and has you know slimmed down and is now leaner is constantly potentially for you know years fighting against that desire their brain has to gain that weight back mm. their brain constantly thinks they're on their weight now because they've never readjusted the set point all right I'm, yeah. I'm gonna press you a bit on why the body reacts so slowly but first I want to announce that we have our giveaway question so we're gonna be giving away one of these devices um, to somebody out there and this thing is intriguing i'll give you my official read on where i think this is headed later in the episode but for now our question is who is one of the famous neuroscientists that has authored a book on my reading list and been on impact theory as a guest and if you've made it this far in the episode and you have not figured that answer out uh, then we've really got some trouble and if you're just joining us Thank you for joining us. This is a 24-hour live that we're doing because we crossed 100,000 likes on Facebook, and I really wanted to do something to be of service to you guys. So we're doing a live for a full 24 hours, uninterrupted, answering questions. Uh, so by the way, if you have any questions pertaining to Dr. Jason McCune, please do post them, and we'll be answering them during the segment. Um, and yeah, really wanted to do something where I was here showing you guys how grateful I am for everything that you've done to help build this community. And by the way, if this is adding value, please do share it right now. Go to your Facebook, share button, click that. Let people know that in the middle of the night, here we are rocking it, adding value. All right, so this current giveaway is for US only. I think, I think Dr. McCune can do better than that. Do we have international devices that we can ship? Mm -hmm. All right, boom, this one. <laughs> this one at least is good in the US and Europe. How about that? We'll extend that one to uh, European customers as well. Uh, all right, so here we go. Oh, we have a fan question. Is this, let's get one, um, we'll hold off unless it pertains to this. Let's, let's stick to the, the vibe. All right, you were about to, mm -hmm. uh, in fact, I was about to press you. So why, does, why would this change the set point so mm -hmm. rapidly? when just normally having dieted down and held it, you know, for mm -hmm. six months or even a year may not reset it? Um, good question. Uh, do you want me just to draw? Can I draw some sure. stuff? Like yeah, please. <laughs> I just bought this app for the iPad. <laughs> like, I want to <laughs> use it, damn it. Yeah. Um, so just we'll talk a little bit about the hypothalamus and the there's so there are several nuclei in the hypothalamus that we know i mean we absolutely know for a fact that they cause changes in metabolism be it that it drives your appetite up or down or it just causes you to store fat okay regardless of calories mm. is this uh, something we've learned through like damaged brain patients where somebody takes damage to the hypothalamus and what happens uh, yeah, so you, you can actually see this. I mean, you can force, it sounds horrendous, like you can put lesions in the hypothalamus literally with a knife, you know, mice or whatever. Mm. And depending on where you put it, I mean, they just explode with obesity. Really? Or, yeah, or they oh. get really, really lean. So you can actually change it and you can... Can you pick the lesion that makes them obese or makes them lean? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, so... Is I, it like areas of yeah. the hypothalamus yeah so there's three uh, main areas there's the well i'll talk about the the um, you can draw them for us I'll, i will draw the main one it. so there's well the the overriding one really that we think is one called the melanocortical system which is effectively the arcuate nucleus of the hypothalamus the arcuate yeah that's a word yeah what does that mean um it's just the name of 
that mm. nucleus. Okay. So um, I'm going to split it again. So we like our seesaws, okay? So there's going to be one side of it. Um, we're going to call this side. Let me see. So this is this is this increases sort of metabol or fat. Okay, so the goal there is to increase. And is this sort of a rough ballpark of what the hypothalamus actually looks like? Because I actually don't know what the hypothalamus Um, looks like. Well, this is just this specific neuron area, really. Okay, so um, so let's say that so this nucleus really gets information. So basically, the hypothalamus is just a control center. So it takes feedback, it makes a decision to some degree, and then it adjusts the outflow. So the autonomic outflow adjusts that into the body. So it'll register everything coming out of the body, make a decision, kind of the seesaw. So it'll say, oh, the seesaw is a little unbalanced. I'm going to do this to try and balance it again. Okay. Um, So this nucleus really, it either activates or inhibits fat storage, right? But um, so the the uh, I'm gonna just, so this is called your POMC. Sorry, this is very technical. <laughs> um, right. And this one is called your AGRP or the neuropeptide Y. Um, and these are just neurons in the part of the brain. Okay. And as I say, you want to this is this is for you know decreasing sort of fat. Okay. So we want to decrease fat. So the idea is that you, st- you want to, st- you always want to, for, for people who are overweight, okay, you want to try and stimulate the POMC side, okay? Um, now, you may have heard of these two things, but there are two hormones that do this very, very well. One is insulin and one is leptin. I apologize about how bad the, the <laughs> leptin, sorry. Um, so, I mean, a lot of people are going to say, hold on, so you're telling me insulin decreases fat mm. and that that is what i'm saying which is very counterintuitive because here's how i used to think of insulin that it's what pulls glucose out of the bloodstream and puts it into adipose tissue yeah that's exactly right but a parallel signal to the central nervous system is that you've had enough so if you think that that's a really, that you've eaten enough yeah so that that's a really perfect almost setup because one chemical drives both so insulin drives the nutrients into your body because you've just had a meal and at the same time it lets your nervous system know that you've just had a meal so it will stop you overeating Mm. okay and leptin is the same it's secreted by fat cells basically so if you if you have a meal or whatever and and there's fat cells are full they release leptin okay so these are two really powerful hormones that hit this part of the hypothalamus and tell your body to stop eating Okay, or, or, you know, decrease fat or whatever. The problem is that both of these hormones, both of them are really susceptible to actually being overproduced and then you desensitize. Okay, so you've heard of insulin resistance, resistance yeah. right? Which is a massive factor in type 2 diabetes. So what happens is you're, the insulin actually increases and increases and increases, but the hypothalamus has desensitized so much it never gets the signal to say you're full. Now, insulin is like massively anabolic. So ask, I mean, ask any of the sort of big bodybuilders. They know this, okay? <laughs> right. Insulin is massively anabolic. So all of a Meaning sudden... Meaning it helps you add muscle. Yeah, or just adds adds mass, really. So um, it's fine if you're lifting weights, you know, because it'll go to muscle. Mm. But actually what happens is you're now swimming in, you know, a soup of, of anabolic hormones, but your brain never gets the signal to stop eating, Okay. So the problem is then, 
well, actually, sorry, I'm going to jump over to the other side. So that is one side, that is one pathway. That mm -hmm. is the decreased fat pathway. Uh, then the other pathway is um, to increase fat. And there's a hormone you may have heard of it called ghrelin. Okay, now ghrelin is secreted by the stomach when it's hungry. That's what gives you the sort of hunger pangs. Mm. Okay, um, so let's say you know you're you're now overweight. So you have you have just wiped out you know this this side. Of your, whoops, <laughs> sorry. You've just sort of wiped out you know this side. Okay, so all you have left is signals saying that you're perpetually hungry. Mm. You get no signals to say that actually I've had enough. Well, you get the signals. You're awash in the signals, but you can't hear them. Yeah. Right? Because the cells now have become resistant. Yeah. It's very interesting. Really fast before we go any farther, we have a fan question here uh, from Gabriel Deliberali. What is the most fascinating thing about the brain that you would like to that you would like the world to know? And what is the frontier of knowledge on consciousness? Remember, you brought that up. Uh, what do we actually know about it? And then we'll go back to ghrelin once you answer uh, this the, question. <laughs> the, the, probably the most fascinating thing is the, our lack of knowledge on consciousness. <laughs> so I'm sort of answering both questions at once there. Um, it's, it's, Why do you think it's so hard to pin down? Uh, it, a, a question that I would all often ask people is, if, if I rep so say I could lift out neuron, one neuron at a time, or mega electronic sort of neuron, and I replicated your brain, in its entirety, mm -hmm. perfectly with electronic neurons, it would function like your brain, but would it would it have consciousness? That's the question. Yeah, you know. So, and if and if if you say no, well, then hold on. So, if you have a one to one <laughs> copy, why right. would it not have consciousness? And also, at some point, if I started stripping neurons out of my brain one by one, at some point, is there one sort of click over moment where you yeah. lose consciousness? That's really interesting. Yeah, and you know, if if that's the case, and you put that one back in, would it would it bring you back again? You know, so it's just that's interesting. And yeah. I don't find debates about consciousness very fascinating. I'll be really honest with you. But asking that question, like if you're stripping it one neuron at a time, mm -hmm. like where is that breakover mm -hmm. point? Here's what's interesting. I think at first you would start to just deteriorate, right? It would be a scale. It's not going to be binary, like somebody with. Um, advanced Alzheimer's. Mm. At what point are they a machine running a program and at what point are they truly conscious, mm. right? Because I think, have you ever been deeply confused? It's a, yeah. <laughs> it's a very <laughs> surreal experience, right? Where the deep confusion has mm. given me that sense of what I bet Alzheimer's is really like, mm. where it's like, fuck. I now feel like a, a conglomerate of algorithms but it's not quite adding up. Like mm -hmm. it, it's a, a pretty weird and scary sensation. Um, so my gut is it would be something like that. That yeah. it would you would just grow increasingly confused until to mm -hmm. a person interacting with you, you would no longer seem coherent. Yeah. And somewhere in there, you'd sort of be coming in and out of what we would call consciousness. Yeah, yeah. The in and out part is interesting. So because a lot of um, people with just to take Alzheimer's for an example, would have, you know, lucid moments. Mm. So where they actually kind of appear to come back up again. Um, you know, so what were they not, did they not have consciousness? Right. And then all of a sudden they have it and then it goes, you know, it's... I literally it's think just, that's almost exactly what's happening because yeah. you get into a firing pattern. It's like a seizure, right? A seizure is an electrical mm. firing pattern that all of a sudden gets 
into such a weird rhythm, my words, certainly not neuroscience's words, but a rhythm or a pattern where now it can't function normally. And you truly, like in a moment of a seizure, you're not conscious, mm. like you're literally not a conscious being. You don't know what's happening. You probably have no memory of it. So I imagine it's something like that where there's, there's enough variable options and paths for the brain to make the necessary connections to create what I'll call the illusion of consciousness. Um, and so because it could do it, let's say, you know, 15,000 different ways, but now you're beginning to break down enough of those paths that it's, it almost becomes more common for one of those 15,000 to be broken than for one of those 15,000 firing mm -hmm. patterns to work. And so if you happen to be in, you know, let's say now you're at a 70% pathway of this results in sort of a null consciousness. And then 30% of the time, it's those lucid moments of, whoa, so for whatever butterfly effect reason, you fall into one of the patterns that works, but then you're going to fall back out. Uh, look, that is a layman's answer, but yeah. And no, it's it's cool. Like it's really interesting. And then the other issue is, you know, it's there's probably not like one specific area. So you know, if you could, if you could just knock out one area, you know, I don't think there's ever going to be just one little area that mm. you knock out and your consciousness is just there or not, because then right. you could just pinpoint it. Um, so I mean, it's just, uh, uh, you know. And then I suppose the follow-on question is, if if you did know what it was, you know, could you then put it into like an AI or whatever, or could you build a mechanical brain that has consciousness? And you know, it, it probably is going to happen at some point. Um, Almost certainly. And here's yeah. the question, and this is why I guess I don't really care about <laughs> consciousness. Like, is there a difference between it being real and being an illusion? No. So even if the AI is just emulating all of the firing patterns and behaviors of something that we consider conscious, mm -hmm. like, is there a difference between that and what we're doing? No. So to me, we are machines, computers, however you want to think about it, but the parts happen to be biological. Mm. But that's it. Like, if you disassemble the parts, you disassemble the consciousness, the ability to act and interact, it goes away. Mm. You must know the story of Phineas Gage. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the, the thing that made me fall so deeply in love with <laughs> neuroscience, right? So you've got this guy, he's working on the railroad. Everybody is like, Phineas Gage, such an affable guy. He's one of the managers on the railroad, just a great guy. Everybody likes working for him. And then he hits a tamping rod. For whatever reason, the charge goes funny, and it shoots a metal rod, like a three-foot metal rod with like a diameter like that, mm. through up through his chin, out mm. through his brain. He never loses consciousness, but loses a teacup not tablespoon, teacup full of brain matter. Mm. And they're like, he's never the same. Mm. And his personality changes, becomes a dick, can't hold a job, like can't focus. So it's like, is he still Phineas Gage? Mm. Right? Like his personality is fundamentally altered and forever in, in a flash, just yeah. like that. So understanding that we're, and this was actually a big breakthrough for me from a personal development standpoint, understanding that I am a chemical processing plant and that <laughs> I'm going to manifest emotions and feelings based on whatever chemicals are pumping, which then gave me the absolute obsession with going back to the very first thing you said, that this is all um, essentially, you didn't use the words, but the matrix, right? This is your brain is creating this, this reality that feels mm. so very real, but it's not, it's a mm. construct. So if I'm a chemical processing plant in the middle of a construct, my very sense of identity and what's happening around me is all in that construct based on a moment to moment neurochemical reaction. Can I learn to through, and the answer ends up being through physiology, can I create a loop where just by 
holding a smile or laughing out loud that I can literally change the neurochemistry yeah. in my brain. So we've gone a long way from the initial question, uh, but that I do, I find very, very interesting. Uh, so we have one more question here from Mickey Jackson. How do you find your set point? Or is there even a way we could as the average person? So, all right, that'll bring us back to ghrelin and all of that stuff. So how yeah. is that set point defined? Where does it come from? Uh, so, well, that, that's it. I mean, that's the, the question. The hypothalamus has just set this and it's at a level probably genetics epigenetics there you know there's a whole host of things well so define because i think this is the future of medicine is epigenetics what's yeah. what are genetics and what are epigenetics um so your genetics are effectively what you so i mean in a really simple sense i'm sure the puritans will probably come after me for this <laughs> but in a really simple sense you know your genetics are what are just naturally expressed so you know you you know um, your DNA comes from your mom and dad. Some things are going to be expressed. There are lots of hidden things which are not expressed, okay? But epigenetics would be where, again, sorry for the Puritans, but basically you can you can force expression by something environmental, okay? So uh, probably the most easy to understand example is um, like schizophrenia. So you could have a kind of dominant gene for that somewhere, uh, but it might never come out your entire life. But if you had, say, some sort of event, maybe in childhood or whatever, actually that gene can turn on and then later down the line mm. um, that actually presents, even though you could have a twin with identical DNA and it never pr presents. Have you heard about marijuana kicking off schizophrenia for somebody that's like predisposed to it? Yeah. So yeah. that's interesting. That's a, a yeah. really easy environmental factor to think about. Two identical twins. They both mm -hmm. have this predisposition for schizophrenia. One, it never manifests because they don't mm -hmm. smoke weed. And then the other, it manifests because they do smoke weed. And then let's say that your brother or your next door neighbor mm -hmm. smokes weed all day, every day. And they never, like, they don't have a problem because they don't have a predisposition for that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, it's, it's. It really interesting, but obviously it's it, depending on sort of the factors. And as you say, sort of you had someone who did or didn't, it can just trigger. And actually, we don't often realize sometimes that mm. the potential trigger could have been back a long time ago, and That's then this manifests, you know, later in life. Um, so, I mean, there are epigenetic factors in, in weight gain. Uh, so the hypothalamus probably, um, or well, in fact, definitely has set for what we would call a normal body weight. Okay. The problem is we are then influencing that. And certainly some of that is going to be genetics and epigenetics. So for example, if you're both of your parents are overweight, you are much more likely to have a set point that's going to be higher. Mm. Um, but even that, you know, even having say thin parents doesn't necessarily protect you against it. Well, now you're getting into the really fascinating part about epigenetics, which is people are getting, and I, I I've got to believe people can just feel this. We're getting fatter and fatter generationally mm -hmm. by the minute. And when I was a kid, when you were a kid, like the parents were always fatter than the kids, always. And all anybody ever talked about was, mm -hmm. oh man, to be young again, to be skinny, like, oh, you're so lucky because you're a kid and enjoy it while it lasts, right? Like enjoy it while it lasts. That was yeah. like the, the dominant thing people would say. But now you're seeing kids that are significantly heavier than the yeah. parents. And it's like, what the fuck? So looking at like what the epigenetic factors are going into that, whether it's what the mother was eating during gestation and what yeah. kind of triggers that had, like maybe she used to be heavier and has lost the weight or the dad used to be heavier. As some of this stuff is, oh God, what's it called? When it's passed on, uh, when it reaches your, um, the egg or the semen, there's a name for traits that are passed on. Oh, there's a name. Sorry, I'm forgetting it. But there are certain traits that, mm. that will pass down generation to generation. And they were doing tests 
and it's something like up to at a minimum three generations, one like the grandfather, something happens to him, a famine, whatever. And I think that's that's a, uh, where this study, one of the manifestations of this concept anyway, was the um, people in the Netherlands during World mm-hmm. War II, there was a famine because the Nazis were blocking mm-hmm. food, getting in. And so you got to see all the women that were pregnant during that famine period, what ended up happening to their kids. And they're, I mean, it's so significant. It's like 30 or 40% more likely to be obese than people that were born either before the famine or mm-hmm. after the famine. Mm-hmm. Like that's nuts. Yeah. And then what happens to their kids and does it exacerbate? So if they were born after the famine and so now from an epigenetic standpoint, their genes are expressing for store fat, store fat, store fat, because mm-hmm. you never know when you might eat again, right? That's the signal that yep. the mother gets, which is then passed on to the, the child gestating. And then if they eat poorly and trigger some of these other epigenetic factors, which causes either the hypothalamus to get Mm -hmm. out of whack and inflamed, whatever the case is that causes this. Now you've got this double whammy of two epigenetic factors that aren't even related. In fact, (laughs) they feel like exact opposites, but they have this magnification effect in terms of the storage of fat, which I find really, really interesting. Yeah. uh, I mean, the tech home message from that would be for parents to, you know, when a woman's pregnant, really needs to think about her diet because mm. actually studies have been shown and it actually does relate to the hypothalamus that even, you know, at that stage, it can affect the long-term outcome. Uh, and then the other thing is when kids are kids, the diet has to be better. <laughs> the yeah. problem is today's diet is just not fantastic. Uh, and then the knock-on effect is that your set point is pushed up. So as a kid, you're already fighting a losing battle. Mm. Uh, so no, it's, it's absolutely, so the question, to answer the question, how do you find your set point? Actually, if you didn't try to lose weight or you didn't try to gain weight and you just ate like a sort of normal diet, uh, you will sit at your set point. So really fast, just to bring it all around, cause we have to wrap up here. <laughs> yeah, so, <sorry>. um, <laughs> going back to the device, what are, what's, so give us the, the vision of Modius health. Yeah. Um, so not just the device, but what's the vision for Modius health. And then we have one final question. Uh, that I think you're uniquely qualified to answer. So I want to make sure yeah. we get to that. Okay. The So the, the whole point of this is, as I say, the hypothalamus has now got that lower limit for weight. So so as you start to try and decrease your weight, so people feel they're, they're a little, you know, a few pounds too heavy. If you hit that lower limit that I'm talking about, then all of a sudden your hypothalamus kicks in to stop you losing weight. Okay. And that is extremely different. I mean, you know, I don't want to say impossible because it's not, <laughs> but right. it is almost impossible for a lot of people to lose weight at that stage. I mean, they, they will try, they will try, they will plateau, the weight will go no further. And if they keep going, yeah, they'll eventually get there, but they're always going to fight against that for the rest of their lives, probably, or um, they'll give up. Okay, so that, that, is, that is the fundamental problem. So people say, you know, it's, oh, it's just willpower, it's, it's just, you know, exercise more, diet less. Yes, that's correct. But if you do that, you're going to inevitably kickstart that mechanism to stop you losing fat. Mm. Okay, so the idea with Modius is the vestibular stimulation. The vestibular nuclei has a really strong relationship with the hypothalamus, much more than we realized. And actually, whenever you look back through the literature, there's about 50 years of evidence showing not just the link, but actually the fact that it links to a positive metabolic outcome. So stimulating the vestibular, the medial vestibular nucleus in the brainstem actually causes your body to adjust. Okay. It causes you to lose, or well, uh, 
basically the metabolism shifts okay and then the consequence of that is your appetite goes down and you start to reduce your body fat mm. okay so the idea behind modius is we are stimulating that repeatedly that's what you're wearing right now it's stimulating the vestibular nerve which connects to eventually to the hypothalamus but it's not just a connection it's the connection that we know for a fact influences metabolism okay so the idea behind modius then is for people who are trying to get over that plateau to stop that mechanism kicking in or to certainly try and make it less of, of a disadvantage then we're stimulating that part of the hypothalamus mm. so effectively that is it in a nutshell so we are trying to we're trying to make it easier for people to lose weight yeah so to use the device to adjust that set point yeah or or, or to certainly make the so as I say, once you start dieting, exercising, there's going to be a kickback. Your brain does not like that. It thinks you're getting too lean. We want to stop that kickback and, and allow you to push things down. Right. Um, so one thing that I think I really want you guys to know about these guys is so their vision is Modius Health. So it's not just wear a device and all your problems go away. It's wear the device, eat right, exercise. They've got a whole lifestyle program around this. Mm. Um, I know that you guys consider yourself to be in a discovery phase. So you did um, an Indiegogo account. You're your target was forty thousand, fifty thousand, fifty $50,000. Okay, so $50,000, you hit that in two hours, you blew past it in four, and then by the like 24-hour mark, you were at $800,000. So there's clearly an appetite for people yep. to try this. One thing that was important to me before I would get involved with the company, there had to be a money-back guarantee, and that I would never be asked to say something about the device or its effects and actually believe... I use it religiously. Um, mm. People will see me all the time in my Instagram feed wearing it while I'm doing whatever. Um, I am very curious to see what impacts it's going to have. Right now, I will say for me, the jury's out. I think it's intriguing. I think there's a lot of data there. And we didn't get to talk about the fucking mice. Uh, the study of the mice that NASA did where they lived in basically not with a device like this. It was accidental. They were trying to test the effects of gravity for the um, astronaut program. And so for like a year, mm -hmm. these mice lived constantly in motion, spinning, 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 spinning. But their whole existence was in that. They played in their wheel, all mm -hmm. of it. Spinning, spinning, spinning. And all of them got shredded. And the first assumption was, well, it's because the gravity is doubled, and so they're just working harder. So they then destroyed the inner ear of the mice yep. and said, well, if that's true, even without the inner ear, which is where you're tracking the motion, then they should still get lean. Yep. And they don't. So really, really intriguing data coming out. I want you guys to make up your own mind. Um, so we are going to be giving one of these away. Use it. See what you think. Um, what I love about you guys, you're not over-promising, right? So this is where we're at. They want to collect feedback. That's why you guys did the Indiegogo account. You'd already raised the money. You didn't need to sell the units, um, but you did it to incentivize and then for, gave further discounts to incentivize people to give you the data. Yep. And the data is what you really care about. That was what intrigued me about him, the fact that Rama's involved. Um, You've got other amazing people, including Dr. Drew on the board. It's just really interesting. And I think everybody right now is sort of holding their breath and saying, man, if this really works, then its implications are really, really exciting. So be super curious, whoever wins this, um, to let us know what you think. All right, the giveaway winner. In fact, now we know who won this. Uh, it's Marco Vendrame or Vendrami, uh, one of the two. Congratulations, Marco. You and I will be vestibular stimulating together. So welcome to the club, my friend. All right. Jason, thank you so much, dude. I really thank you, yeah. enjoy your company as a yeah. human being. Uh, I love these talks, and uh, I, awesome. we're going to be going harder and harder on health here at Impact Theory, so we'll definitely have you back on. Uh, so thank you, my friend. Thank you very much.
Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.